Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Chapter 5 of Bruce by Albert Payson to Hune. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 5 The Double Cross In the background lay a landscape that had once been beautiful. In the middle distance rotted a village that had once been alive. In the foreground stood an edifice that had once been a church. The once beautiful landscape had the look of a gigantic pockmarked face, so scored was it by shell, scar, and crater. Its vegetation was swept away, its trees were shattered stumps, its farmsteads were charred piles of rubble. The village was unlike the general landscape, in that it had never been beautiful. In spite of globe-trotter's sentimental gush, not all villages of northern France were beautiful. Many were built for thrift, and for comfort, and for expediency, not for architectural nor natural loveliness. But this village of Moran Elier was not merely deprived of what beauty it once might or might not have possessed. Except by courtesy it was no longer a village at all. It was a double row of squalid ruins, zigzagging along the two sides of what was left of its main street. Here and there a cottage or tiny shop or shed was still habitable. The rest was debris. The church in the foreground was recognisable as such by the shape and size of its ragged walls, and by a half-smashed image of the Virgin and the Child, which slanted out at a perilous angle above its façade. Yet miserable as the ruined hamlet seemed to the casual eye, it was at present a vacation resort, and a decidedly welcome one, to no less than three thousand tired men. The wrecked church was an impromptu hospital beneath whose shattered roof dozens of these men lay helpless on makeshift cots for the mixed american and french regiment known as the here we comes was billeted at the moran elier doing a respite from the rigours and perils of the front-line trenches the rest and the freedom from risks supposed to be part of the billeting system were not wholly the portion of the here we comes the moran elier was just then what somewhat important little speck on the war map the Germans had been up to their favourite field sport of trying to split in half two of the Allied armies, and to roll up each independently. The effort had been a failure, yet it had come so near to success that many railway communications were cut off or deflected, and Moran Elier had for the moment gained new importance, by virtue of a spur railway line which ran through its outskirts, and which made junction in a new set of tracks the American engineers were completing. Along this traverse of roads, such ammunition and food and many fighting men were daily rushed. The safety of the village had thus become of much significance. 
while it was too far behind the lines to be in grave danger of enemy raids yet such danger existed to some extent wherefore the presence of the here we comes for the paradoxical double purpose of resting up and guarding the railway function still it was better than trench work and the here we comes enjoyed it for a day or so then trouble had set in a group of soldiers were lounging in the stone seat in front of the village estaminet being off duty they were revelling in the popular martial pastime known to the tommy as grousing and to the yankee doughboy as airing a grouch top man sergeant mahan formerly of the regular army was haranguing the others some listened approvingly others dissentingly and others not at all i tell you mahan declared for the fourth time somebody's double-crossing us again there's a leak and if they don't find out where it is a whole lot of good men and a million dollars worth of supplies are liable to spill out through that same leak it but argued his crony old sergeant vivier in his hard-learned english but it may be all a chance mon vieux it may not be the double cross whatever a double cross means anyway but the mere chance such things often chance my grandmother's wall-eyed cat snorted mahan maybe it might have been chance when this place hadn't been bombed for a month the whole flight of boche artillery and the airship grenades that cut loose against it by the day general perishing happened to stop here for an hour on his way to chateau thierry maybe that wasn't chance though i know blamed well it wasn't maybe it was chance that the place wasn't bombed again till two days ago when that troop chain happened to spend such a lot of time getting shunted at the junction maybe it was chance that the church over across the street hadn't been touched since the last drive till our regiment's wounded were put in it and that it's been hit three times since then maybe any one of those things and a dozen of others was chance but it's a cinch that all of them weren't a chance chance doesn't work that way i perhaps doubtfully assented old vivier perhaps but i little like to believe it for it means a spy and a spy in one's mitts is like to snake in one's blankets it's not a pleasing comrade and it stands in sore need of killing there's spies everywhere averred mahan that's been proved often enough so why not here but i wish to the lord i could lay hands on him if this was one of those sheltered villages in a valley his work would be much harder and the Bosch airships and the long rangers wouldn't find us such a simple target but up here on this ridge all a spy has to do is flash a signal any night that a Bosch airman can pick up or that even can be seen with good glasses from some high point where it can be relayed onto the german lines the guy who laid out his berg was sure thoughtless he might have known there'd be a war some day he might even have strained his mind and guessed that we'd be stuck here Gee. he broke off with a grunt of disgust nor did he so much as listen to another of the group who sought to lure him into an opinion as to whether the spy might be an inhabitant of the village or a camp follower sucking at his pipe the sergeant glowered moodily down the ruined street the village drowsed under the hot midday here and there a soldier lounged along aimlessly or tried out his exercise french on some puzzled native now and then an officer passing in or out of the half-unroofed marie which was served as regimental headquarters beyond in the handkerchief-sized village square a platoon was drilling a thin french housewife was hanging sheets on a line behind a shell-twisted hovel a red cross nurse came out of the hospital church across from the street from the estainment and seated herself on the stone steps with a basket full of sewing 
The hand's half-shut eyes rested critically on the drilling platoon, amusedly on the woman who was so carefully hanging the ragged sheets, and then approvingly upon the Red Cross nurse on the church steps across the way. Mahan, like most other soldiers, honoured and revered the Red Cross for its work of mercy in the army, and the sight of one of the several local nurses of the order won from him a glance of real approbation. But presently into his weather-beaten face came an expression of glad welcome. Out of the marrier gate and into the sleepy warmth of the street lounged a huge dark brown and white collie. The don stretched himself lazily, fore and aft in the true collie style, then stood gazing about him as if in search of something of interest to occupy his bored attention. "'Hello,' observed Mahan, breaking in on a homily of Viviers. "'There's Bruce!' Vivier's levery face brightened at the sound of the collie's name. He looked eagerly in the direction of Mahan's pointed finger. "'C'est brave!' exclaimed the Frenchman. "'I did not even know that he was in the village, but it must be that he is newly arriven, otherwise he would, of unassuredly, have hunted up his old friends. "'Oh, he, Bruce!' he called invitingly. "'The big dog must have gotten here just a few minutes ago,' said Sergeant Mahan. "'He was coming out of headquarters when I saw him.' That must mean he's just struck the town, and with a message for the K.O. He always goes like greased lightning when he's on dispatch duty, till he has delivered his message. Then, if he's to be allowed to hang around a while before he's sent back, he loafs, lazy-like, the way you see him now. If all the courier dogs were like him, every human courier would be out of a job. And Vivier's hail the great collie had pricked his ears, and glanced inquiringly up and down the street. Catching sight of the group seated in front of the estainment, he began to wag his plumy tail, and set off toward them at a trot. Ten minutes earlier, Bruce had cantered into Miran Elier from the opposite end of the street, bearing in his collar a dispatch from the corps commander to the colonel of the Here We Comes. The colonel at the Merriere had read the dispatch, and had patted its bearer, and then bidden the dog lie down and rest, if he chose, after his long run. Instead, Bruce had preferred to stroll out in search of friends. Top Sergeant Mahan, by the way, would have felt rightly flattered had he chanced to get a glimpse of the dispatch Bruce had brought to the Colonel, for it bore out Mahan's own theory regarding the presence of spies at or near the village, and it bade the here-we-comes Colonel use every means of tracing them. It added the information that the three troop trains with nine engines were to pass through the village that night on their way to the trenches, and that the trains were due at the junction at nine o'clock, or shortly thereafter. The Marriere was on the other side of the street from the estainment. Incidentally, it was on the shady side of the street, for which reason Bruce, being wise and the day being hot, remained on that side until he should come opposite the bench where his friends awaited him. Thus his course brought him directly past the church. As he trotted by the steps, the Red Cross nurse, who sat sewing there, chirped timidly at him. Bruce, paused in his leisurely progress to see who had accosted him, whether an old acquaintance, to be greeted as such, or merely a pleasantly inclined stranger. His soft brown eyes rested first in idle inquiry upon the angular and white-robed figure on the steps. Then, on the instant, the friendly inquiring look left his eyes, and their softness went with it leaving the dog's gaze cold and frankly hostile. One corner of Bruce's lips slowly lifted, revealing a tiny view of the terrible white fangs behind them. His gaily erected head was lowered, and in the depths of his furry throat a growl was born. 
when a dog barks and holds his head up there is little enough to fear of him but when he lowers his head and growl and then look out mahan knew dogs in stark amazement he noted bruce's strange attitude toward the nurse never before had he seen the dog show active hostility towards a stranger 